Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and Zeke. All right, welcome back to episode two. I am Isaac, and I'm here with Mr. Ben Carnes. We've got some good stuff for you guys today. Ben, what are we covering today? Uh, talking about the focus cycle, which is which is just simply this. What you focus on is going to determine how you talk to yourself or what that little voice in the back of your mind saying. Um, both of those are going to have an impact on different systems in your body, uh, kind of that fight or flight response, and then all of this kind of together is going to is going to impact your emotions and kind of how you're feeling and how well you can handle that is really going to drive your performance. How do we do it? And is this is this stuff that we can only use on the football field or the basketball court or is this stuff we can use at home? Where do we use all of this? So, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've used this everywhere from helping athletes out to helping my own wife out and even helping myself just in parenting role. And so if you downloaded the, if you downloaded the worksheet from mentaltrainingplan.com slash podcast, you can actually print off the focus cycle sheet that we use with our athletes when we do sessions with individuals and with teams. And so what I usually like to start with is actually has nothing to do with sports. My wife and I went to Whistler, British Columbia, and there's a gondola, which is basically just a little car that's got glass all the way around. And we got stuck in, in one of those in what turned out to be a pretty bad storm. Um, they have wind sensors on that thing that basically detect, oh, stop, the wind is blowing too hard. It's no longer safe to operate this thing and it literally just shuts down so here we are we're swaying back and forth kind of in the middle of the bliss in the middle of a blizzard at the top of this mountain and i look over and my wife is shaking and crying kind of what was going on with her mind and her body at that time um she was focused on the weather the wind and the fact that we were swaying back and forth 200 feet up in the air uh, that little voice in the back of her mind was saying, we can't do this. You can't do this. We are going to die. I mean, her, her ne- central nervous system or, or her CNS was just completely out of whack. She lost fine motor control. You know, she was shaking. Her lip was quivering. Her heart rate was just beating out of control. Obviously, all kinds of adrenaline surging through her body. And then emotions. She was way past scared and way past terrified. I mean, she was just... She, she was a wreck. She was a mess. Were these, was this stuff that you could you could see, just the normal person could see, or you just know because of your expertise you could just see it going on, or could someone from across the way see that her body kind of shaking and stressing? So I, I don't think I don't think at first um, anybody would have would have really known what was going on until she got to the point where she was shaking and crying. Okay. And by that point. You know, this, this cycle had been swirling on in her mind and affecting her body for, I mean, at least five minutes, probably. So just fear taking over. Absolutely. That, that fight or flight response. She just wanted to get out of that thing. She didn't want any, she didn't want anything to do with, with this snowboarding trip anymore. Um, and so, you know, the way that I kind of helped her was number one, we had to change her focus. I said, just look at me. And she kind of looked at me real quick and then went back to look and scan the surroundings. And it was like, no, honey, look, look at me. Just look at me. Don't worry about all that stuff. And then instead of listening to that voice in her head, tell her that she was going to die and that we were not going to make it down the mountain. I said, I want you to just say, I can always go slow and I am in control. And she goes, 
I can always go slow and I'm in control. That was stupid. It didn't work. Just as fast as she could uh, get, it, get it done with. Absolutely. Which, I mean, you got, you got to keep in mind, this isn't like some magical fairy dust that we can just wave over a person and it magically makes everything better. Um, she'd been she'd been having some pretty negative self-talk go on for a decent amount of time here. So just saying one thing one time didn't really have a big impact. Right. But the more she started to repeat that, I can always go slow and I'm in control. And now her focus is starting to change to, you know, I, I can go slow. We don't we don't have to go flying down the, the side of the mountain. You know, we're not trying to qualify for the Olympics or anything. And, I am I am in control. I mean, I'm a good snowboarder just because this is a, a bad storm and it's kind of scary doesn't doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to still be in control. Um, and so her her body kind of started to relax just a, a little tiny bit, just enough that she started to feel maybe a little bit more in control. So she wasn't shaking. She wasn't quivering. Um, she she stopped crying. You know that her adrenaline levels didn't necessarily drop. But they at least weren't still raising or climbing up and getting worse. She did some some deep breath some deep breaths, um, which helped control her heart rate a little bit. And you know, as far as the emotions are concerned, she was able to get out of fear mode, out of out of terror mode, and at least feel somewhat in control. And you know, enough that she was able to ride down the mountain. It didn't necessarily make all the fear go away, but that's not, what, that's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to regain control of our mind and body so that we can go out and perform. Okay, so she had a negative reaction to this situation, and you were able to kind of start the process with her, talk about it, to get her mind back in the right situation. Right, and so I think the best way to describe it, um, Daniel Kahneman in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, describes this as having two brain systems. So we've got system one, which is just automatic and can do things automatically. And then we have system two, which takes some intentional thought. Um, system one, for example, if you see, if you see this, two plus two equals, you, you don't have to think about it. Whereas my daughter would have to go, uh, let's see, that's one. Two, Start counting her fingers. Four, right, because she's in kindergarten and she doesn't know that yet. If you were to see these letters, D-O-G, you don't have to sound that out. System one just automatically knows, oh, that's that furry, fuzzy thing that I have at home that I love. Here, here's a, a little bit better example. A bat and a ball cost a dollar ten. The bat costs one dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? Costs ten cents. There you go. And so, system one doesn't want to overthink things. System one just wants to automatically throw out a number. System one wants to say, "Okay, yeah, I got it. Let's move on." Trying to conserve brain power for what it thinks is more important things. But if you really, if you really think about this, if the ball was ten cents and the bat cost $1 more than the ball, that would make the bat $1.10. $1.10 plus 10 cents would equal $1.20. That, that's not the right answer. But unless we're intentional with system two and kind of almost go back and check your work, if you will, it, it takes some intentional thought because system one is not always right. It, always, it usually does what's easy and what is going to protect you and what it thinks is the best but it's not always right. So in the case of my wife, system one was just like, we got to get out of here. This is dangerous. This is uncomfortable. I don't like this. We got to go. And when she kind of thought about it with system two and we were kind of intentional 
with what, you know, how are we going to respond now that your body had this reaction? Um, there, there's two things, there's two things that kind of take place. Number one, you've got to be aware that this is going on. And number two, you've got to be intentional with coming up with a response. So if you have the sheet that you printed off from mentaltrainingplan.com slash podcast, you are more than welcome to kind of fill that in, or you could just jot down some notes on your phone. But when we're working with a team or an individual athlete, the first thing that we want to do is identify what's that event where you got off target. So for my wife, it was the snowboarding trip. For me, it was my sophomore year playing. I was a starting catcher and I couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. Um, that, that was a terrible, it was a terrible event. So when, when in your life have you gotten what we would call off target? And in that, right in that middle box there where it says event, you can go ahead and write down whatever your event is. Next, the, the box up above says focus. When you got off target, what was it that you were focused on? So maybe that's a, maybe that's a basketball player who's getting ready to make a free throw and all they can think about is the crowd chanting or the fact that they missed one in the previous game or a quarterback that's getting ready to lead a two-minute drive. Man, what, what if we lose this game? What if, what if we don't score here? Our season's over. So what were you focused on? Write that down in that box. Next, on the right side there where it says self-talk, what did that little voice in the back of your mind say? Maybe it said, you're not good enough or you don't have what it takes. I don't think I can do this. Again, we're just, we're just trying to increase awareness and help you, help you be aware of what happened automatically, what was system one's kind of reaction. And then what changes did you notice in your body? I work with a golfer who he get his hands get kind of shaky in pressure situations. I worked with a linebacker who said that he just felt like all the muscles in his legs tightened up and tensed up and he, he just he couldn't move in those high pressure situations. Worked with a pitcher who felt like after he walked a batter that his heart would literally just start beating out of his chest. What's the physical reaction that you notice in your body? Write that down in that box. And then all of these kind of together make you feel angry, scared, nervous, anxious. Write that down in that box. So that's kind of that's kind of the, the first step. We got to be aware of what's our body automatically reacting to. What how is our body reacting to this pressure situation? And so then we need to be intentional about what are we going to focus on instead. And so for that that first box. What you can do is literally just cross off. If you wrote down, I'm just thinking about the end result or I'm thinking about past failures, we just have the athletes cross that out and we write down what's something new that we're going to focus on now. Maybe it's the, the WIN acronym, what's important now. Well, if you're the quarterback leading a two-minute drive, the past doesn't matter, the future doesn't matter. What matters is we got to get a first down. And so on this play, I need to go execute and do my job. So maybe it's just as simple as I'm going to focus on do my job or I'm going to focus on controlling the controllables. Uh, what, are, what are the things that I have control over? It's not the weather. It's not the refs. It's not whether my teammates are going to do their job or not. The only thing I can control is my effort, and my energy and my enthusiasm doing my job. So maybe, maybe that's what you're going to focus on. 
but write down something that you can control that is going to impact the situation now. And that, that's kind of what we want to write underneath there in the focus box. Next is self-talk. And I'll just give you an example. So my second year as the offense coordinator, we were going to play a school um, who was very good down in Lucas Oil uh, where the Colts play. And I was kind of intimidated going up against this coach who had been coaching longer than I'd been alive. I, I was still pretty young at this point. And my self-talk going into that week was terrible. And it was like, you can't do this. You don't have what it takes. You're not going to be able to score a point against these guys. And I was actually in the middle of getting my master's degree at the time. And I was taking a sports psychology class. And I read about this thing, this tool that you could use called a go-to statement. And it said, the first step is write down a list of reasons why you're confident and why you're good and why you could be successful. And all I could come up with was like, oh, I, I put in a lot of time and I, I kind of I work hard, I guess. And then the second one is, or the second half is, what are you going to accomplish or what do you want to accomplish? And I said, I'm, I'm the best football coach in the state of Indiana, which obviously I was not. Far from. Absolutely. And if I would have just said, I'm the best football coach in the state, I'm the best football coach in the state, the part of my brain that wants to fix things would have tossed that out. But instead, since I started with, I put in the time, I put in the work, I'm the best football coach in the state of Indiana. The, the book I was reading at the time, I don't even remember what it was, said that I needed to say it like 20 times a day for it to sink in. So I was like, I mean, I might as well give this a shot. I don't, I don't have any other options right now. And so I started saying that over and over and over. And I'm, and I'm not kidding you. The first time I did it, that little voice in the back of my mind said, no, you're not. And by about Wednesday, that little voice in the back of my mind started thinking like, you know, you, you do put in a lot of time. And I mean, you, you work pretty hard and you watch a lot of film. And by the time Friday rolled around, that little voice in the back of my head wasn't really talking back anymore. That little voice in the back of my head was kind of starting to be a little bit of a cheerleader and was like, you know what? Yeah, let's go. Let, let's, let's just forget about that guy. Let's go do our thing. Um, and so my question to you would be, how can you use that self-talk and how can you, instead of listening to that voice in your head, speak something positive? So maybe here's what I'm good at and here's what I'm going to achieve. So I had, a, I had a baseball player that I worked with that said, I've got the skills, I have the talent, I'm going to be successful. And that was just, that was what he wanted to say. I had a golfer who wanted to just shorten it up to the shortest little phrase possible. And he said, I will not quit, I'm gonna be successful. So kind of put together two, two traits or characteristics that you have, two truths about yourself and then what you want to become, kind of to reach that as your go-to statement. Absolutely. And if you just say to yourself, I'm the best golfer in the state, or I'm the best linebacker in the state, again, you're, that part of your brain that wants to fix things is going to toss it out. There's but nothing you, backing it up. Right. But you, you pair it up with on the front end, well, I, I do this and I have this. And all of a sudden, that, that part of your brain can't necessarily toss the whole thing out. So if you're filling out your sheet right there where it says self-talk, cross out whatever that little voice in the back of your mind is saying, and you write down, how are you going to talk to yourself rather than just listening to that little voice inside your head? 
the the next box is controlling your body and really there's there's two parts to this the first one is doing what we call combat breathing and that's that's something that we learned from dr jason winkle um he's written books he's trained navy seals and all kinds of elite special forces type people and we were listening to him talk at a clinic and he was discussing how the united states military spent millions of dollars on all right we're in a convoy a roadside bomb goes off all of a sudden we're being shot at we have to go up to this building bust down the door throw in a flashbang and clear the room in like 1.8 seconds and he, I mean, he's just, he's telling stories and my jaws like drop into the floor and it's like, yeah, I mean, how would you, how would you control your body's reaction to stress and pressure? I mean, that, that's nothing like what we face on the football field or the basketball court. So here I am with my pen and I'm ready to write it down. And he goes, you just have to breathe. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> What? Um, and I've been doing it, that my whole life. What do you mean? All I have to do is breathe? Exactly. And, and to be honest, I was almost disappointed. But it turns out the science behind it is, is awesome. So the vagus nerve goes from the base of your skull all the way down and connects basically all of the important organs in your body. And I can't help you control your liver. And I can't help you control your adrenal glands. And I can't help you control you know, th those types of things, but I can help you control your lungs. And so the stress response is what they call the sympathetic nervous system. And breathing involves the parasympathetic nervous system. And basically you can just kind of think of it as, as this, if you can control your breathing rate, then that's going to have a positive impact on all the other organs that are linked to those on that nerve. Um, and so the way the military teaches it is to inhale for four seconds and you want to stick, you want your belly button to point out as you do it. So go ahead and take a deep breath just like that. And you want to completely fill your lungs. And so the second time I'm going to have you inhale for four seconds and then I'm going to have you hold for four seconds because that lets your lungs absorb the oxygen that's in them. So I'm ready. Here we go. Inhale. One, two, three, four. Hold. One, two, three, four. Now exhale. One, two, three, four. Now pause. One, two, three, and then you would just repeat and you would fill your lungs again and, and what that does obviously the exhale lets you empty out the carbon dioxide um, the pause at the end though slows down your breathing rate so have you ever had an athlete or even maybe a toddler who was just in total freak out or panic mode and they're, they're starting to breathe <laughs> something Dude, like that my daughter yes <laughs> and so it's like hey it, it's going to be okay, but you got to take a deep breath. I've said that to my daughter in the past week. I'm like, let's just take a deep breath. And then I realized she, she's two years old. She might not know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> sure. But hey, start him young, right? There you go. Um, and so, you know, the, the science behind why this works, I think, is where we can get athletes to buy into it. If I just walk up to a, a, a pitcher and say, hey, the next time you walk a batter, why don't you just take a deep breath? He's going to look at me like, why don't you give me something that's actually going to work? But on the other hand, when you can, when you can kind of teach them, hey, look, the vagus nerve connects all these organs. 
if you can slow down your breathing and you can then control your heart rate a little bit more and you can be intentional about that, you can slow down your body's fight or flight response. You're not going to be re releasing fats and sugars into your bloodstream or adrenaline um, and, and you're, going to be a, you're going to feel a little bit more in control. Now, that's something that they can buy into. That's something that they can believe in. Um, and something that we do with our athletes is have them come up with an individual breathing plan. So I would say take out a stopwatch or pull out the timer on your phone and you're going to inhale, start that timer. And when you get to the point where your lungs are completely full, you're going to pause and you're going to write down whatever that number was. And then you're going to inhale for maybe it was six seconds or seven seconds or four seconds. You're going to start the timer when your lungs are full and you start to hold your breath. What's that optimal hold time for you? And so for me, I like to inhale for six seconds, hold it for two, and then exhale for eight seconds. And that's just, that's a way that I know I can control my heart rate the best. Okay, so what about somebody that's in a high, high energy, high intensity moment? Uh, a runner, then sure. they're, they're ways into the race. Uh, they can't just stop. Hey, time out. Let me take, let me inhale for a long four seconds. So what do you, what do you sure, do absolutely. in that moment? So um, Dr. Jason Winkle was actually kind of talking about something similar, and he said that he was in an airplane and they started to fall out of the sky, and there was that feeling of weightlessness, which <laughs> that terrifies me even thinking about. That. <laughs> terrifies me of even thinking that that's a possibility. Um, but anyways, so they're falling out of the sky, and he's literally thinking, "I'm going to die." And so people around him are screaming. He said he's holding on to his seat as hard as he can, going <laughs> just breathing like that. And he said, "All right, I'm, I'm going to just I'm going to calm down a little bit. I'm going to put this into practice." And he said all he could get out was a. <laughs> So did he get to four by four breathing? No. Did he get his heart rate all the way back down to 70 or so whatever resting heart rate? No. But did he maybe get his heart rate from instead of being at like 180 down to like 150? Yeah, I mean, that that would certainly be possible. Um, and so, you know, we're not in a high intensity sport like that. We're not trying to help athletes calm back down completely. We just want them to be able to control their body. Um, and so the, the best way to do that is to, instead of just letting your body naturally kind of react and panic, slow it down a little bit, calm it down a little bit, be intentional about it. Um, and and that, that's a great way to do it. All right. So while you've been talking, I have been timing myself on my phone, getting my numbers. And what seems to work best for myself is I can inhale for five seconds hold for three seconds, exhale for five seconds, and then I just sit for two seconds. Perfect. And so on your sheet there where it says body, you would just write down those numbers, the, okay. the five, the three, the five, the two, or whatever you, whatever works best for you. Because everybody's got a little bit different lung capacity. I mean, everybody's different. Obviously, with the military, it's more effective to just say four by four because you've got to teach hundreds of thousands of people how to control their breathing in a short amount of time. Um, and something that they are going to remember. Um, a way that we test this out when I do individual training with with athletes, we've got a little portable EKG machine and we'll actually hook them up and hook me up on a, on a separate one. 
and the other people in the room get to do whatever they want. So they'll try and startle us. They'll try and maybe swipe at our face, pretend like they're going to hit us, yell and scream, bang on the desk, clap their hands or whatever. And we basically, we have a contest to see who can go from wherever you're at heart rate wise and sort of bring it on down. Um, and so, you know, if you've got a Fitbit or you've got, you know, even just holding on to those sensors at the gym while you're using the elliptical machine, you can practice controlling your heart rate. I mean, it's something that's incredibly valuable. All right. So what about you mentioned earlier, your golfer with the shaky hands, linebacker, that's muscles are kind of right. stiffening up in the moment. Uh, if you breathe like this, is it automatically just you're fixed and now you're ready to go play a great game or not? Not have- necessarily. So it, so in those, this is kind of the second piece um, of fixing kind of what's going on with your body. Another tool that we use is forced muscular relaxation. Um, and so basically the way that starts, just scrunch up your toes real tight and then exhale and almost imagine like somebody somebody is taking a syringe and just shoving it all the way down through your body and you're just getting rid of all the tension and you're just kind of forcing it out. So next time we're going to tighten up our legs Tighten up your calves, your quads, your hamstrings, squeeze your butt together, and then just imagine that exhale and release all that tension and just kind of relax it away. And then you, you do the same thing with your abs and then add in your shoulders. And so those muscles that have been kind of that have been tightening up. Um, I, I don't know if you ever experienced this, like you sit down to take your SAT or you sit down to do something important at a desk. And at the end, your, your shoulders and your muscles are just so tight because your body, you know, it, it activated that fight or flight response because it, it identified this as a stressful, threatening situation. Um, and again, this, this can help relieve some of that tension. So instead of just letting your muscles automatically contract, now we're going to flex them, we're going to tighten them up, and then we're going to let them relax. Again, just going back to taking control of the situation. Absolutely. And being intentional with it. So, so in that box on your sheet, if you struggle with muscle tightness, muscle tension, your hands are shaking, trembling, something like that. uh, The the breathing can absolutely help because it slows down that fight or flight response. And then the forced muscular relaxation is another thing that can help you out. That, so that, that last piece that, that I always finish up with on the athletes is okay. So the automatic reaction is going to lead you to feeling anxious, scared, hopeless, what, whatever. Let's cross that out because now that we're taking back control and we're going to be intentional and we're going to use system two to, to take back control of our mind and body, now what are we going to feel like? And you know, a lot of times it's, it's things like I'm going to feel more confident. I'm going to feel more in control, something like that. On the bottom half of that sheet, it says my game plan. The individual athletes that I work with, I encourage them to basically cut that bottom half up and hang this up in their locker or take a picture of it on their phone, set it as their background, whatever. But it's basically just this. When this happens, I am going to do this. And thinking through ahead of time, all right, the next time I walk a batter, I'm going to take my breaths, I'm going to say my go-to statement, and I'm going to focus on the next batter. Or the next time... I get beat deep in on defense and coverage or whatever. I'm going to breathe. 
I'm going to say my go-to statement. I'm going to say control the controllables or whatever it is that you want to focus on instead. So just having a plan, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this can help you be a lot more intentional. All right. So with all of this, Ben, we can start anywhere, right? Is it? Do we have to start with the focus style? It has to be uh, your body language or can I start with self-talk? Can I start with my emotions? Start anywhere, correct? Sure. I mean... So a, a lot of times all this is just kind of swirling around and it's just happening. Um, you know, my, my wife didn't necessarily realize the fact that she was focusing on the weather. She, she didn't really realize that that voice in the back of her head was saying, we're about to die. She noticed it when her hands started to shake and she was crying. Um, okay. Some people, they feel like butterflies in the pit of their stomach because blood's being diverted out of their intestines and out of their stomach and it's being diverted to other muscles so that they can fight or they can run and they, they feel that kind of butterfly feeling in their stomach and that's when they notice it. Some, some athletes might not notice it until there's an emotional reaction that that those emotions just come bubbling over the anger they say something just in a in a fit of rage or they scream at the ref or they scream at their teammate and they take a step back and it's like oh oh man so it, yeah it, it doesn't have to go in the nice neat little circle but the point of the activity and the point of writing it down is just increase awareness so that the next time it does happen i can be intentional with my response absolutely and i'd say that the, the the best players are the ones that are able to recognize this and get their their focus back on track faster. And the best way to do that is just to continue to practice it, practice it, practice it to get ready uh, for when it does come into a game. Yep. You can respond quickly, uh, and then you set that aside, and then you're playing at, at an optimal level. Absolutely. All right, as always, uh, if you're driving and you didn't get the chance to take notes, uh, get to mentaltrainingplan.com slash podcast, and you can find those. Uh, the focus cycle section uh, is where you'll get good information from today's episode. You'll want to print that off. Today's episode is all about the worksheet that helps you out. If you're just listening, that's great. Uh, but take that next step, print off uh, the, sh the sheet or take a screenshot of it on your phone and have it as you're looking at whatever you can just to have that visual that will help you out a ton. Join us for our next episode. We're going to be talking about confidence. It's going to be a very, very good one. I have lots of confidence in that. Uh, in the meantime, make your plan and put it to work.